everyone, and welcome back to the Philosophy of Fitness podcast, episode number 44, my favorite number, 444, 44, any variation of it. Guys, 44 episodes. If you are new here, my name is Haley. I'm going to be your host today and every single day that you are tuning in. We are cruising towards 50 episodes, my friends. That has me so excited. Oh my gosh, we're actually coming up on a year anniversary of the podcast, which is so exciting. I was looking through my memories the other day of my photos from this time last year of just the whole pandemic in general too. And it was April 18th that I officially launched the podcast and I'm recording this on the 14th. So thank you to every single one of you who has tuned in and been a part of this journey with me. I'm so grateful for you guys and I'm so excited to just really, you know, take this further. Like, I am just getting started with this, and I'm having so much fun with it. So once again, thank you. You can tell by today's title, we're going to be talking about under-eating and over-training. So normally we think about the inverse of that, right? People are always talking about, oh, uh, overeating or under-training. You know, you're not doing enough or you're eating too much. But I think that the opposite of that really needs to be talked about as well, right? Like over-training is a huge thing, especially among people that are really in the fitness realm, really high-achieving. And same thing goes for under-eating, I think, just because a lot of the times people are misinformed, especially when it comes to their nutritional goals. So... If you are interested, as always, in hearing about what is coming up here, then you know what to do. Go ahead and stay tuned. All right, so this is a little bit of tea that I've got here. So I've got my teacup. I have peach tea tonight, so it's really yummy. And I'm just going to go ahead and start with a little different segment for you guys. So I asked you on Instagram about a week ago if you guys had any questions regarding your biggest struggles when it came to nutrition. So I have a few things from some of you that I wanted to share with you today. And always know that I'm talking about things on the podcast or I'm talking about anything relating to the podcast on my Instagram all the time. So if you haven't already, go ahead and follow me over there. If you want advice in upcoming episodes, Q&A, et cetera, et cetera, all that fun stuff, you can find it over on my Instagram. So without further ado, my friends, we're going to dive into this. So I picked a couple of things that some of you guys had said, and there were some common themes with some of them as well. So I'm just picking out some of the things that really stood out to me. So First one, Brianna says, I am a picky eater, so I don't like a lot of things, which causes me to snack and get food out a lot. That's a huge struggle, I think. Picky eaters, especially when it comes to healthy food, it's really hard to find things that we like. You know, I know that people are like, oh, I should be eating kale and beets and this and that every single day. And it's nutrition is very much something that's not one size fits all. And I think that that's really important to note is that different people are going to have different preferences and health looks different for each and every one of us. So it's okay if you're a picky eater. I think that's a great place of self-awareness, right? You know that because you're picky, you're going out to eat a lot and you're just doing really the simplest thing there of just getting the unhealthy food out. But a great way to sort of counteract that is to be prepared. So Think about the healthy foods that you do like. I'm sure if you were to sit down with a list of all kinds of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and good sources of protein, you'd be able to find a lot of things that you do like. 
So in order to sort of get around that, my advice would be find those things that you do like and then stock up on them. Maybe you do some preparing as well so that you're not tempted to just go for that option of eating out when you're in a rush or you're feeling stressed or you feel like there's nothing around that you want because I'm sure there's some healthy things that you like to eat as well. So I hope that that helps you out there. Next one, Eric says cooking is his biggest struggle. So this was something that I used to struggle with as well. And I also want to say that um, I also fall into the trap. I don't know if anyone else does this and I'm going to tell you sort of how to counteract it, but I very frequently will go to the store and stock up on a bunch of healthy produce of a bunch of chicken, really good, yummy, healthy things that I want to eat. And then I just don't get around to cooking them. And that's a trap that I used to fall in all the time was letting things spoil in the fridge, letting them go bad because I was lazy. I didn't feel like cooking them. And, you know, because of that, I just grabbed something that was already made or something that was frozen. And it was just sort of this like pattern. So The biggest tip that I have for you there is to plan ahead of time. I think planning when it comes to nutrition is so huge and so beneficial. So if you know that cooking is something that you struggle with, find a day during the week, whatever it might be, your day off, find a time, block out like an hour or two, however much time it is you need to just sit down and cook and block out that time. Because then what you can do is you can prepare your meals for the entire week. So it's like meal prepping, batch cooking, that sort of thing. That's what I do. And it works so well for me. I would totally recommend this to anyone. So block out that time, prepare your meals. Again, find the things that you enjoy, find the healthy things that you're actually going to be excited to eat, and then take the time to to cook them. And do it all in one shot, you know, do that one stop shot because I'm telling you, I know from experience how it feels to just not want to be cooking every single night. I totally get that. That's like so understandable. So if you just take that time, I'd rather just bang it out right then and there, right? Like just cook all of your stuff, have it ready for the week. You don't have to pre-portion it. I personally don't. I just batch cook essentially. So I just cook everything and then I'll just take it from the Tupperware and and put it on the plate. But if you really want to get even more technical with it, you can go ahead and pre-portion it as well. But if you just do it all at once, it's like ripping the bandaid off, right? Like just cook it all at once and you'll be good to go. All right. Heather says overeating. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's relatable too. I know overeating is a big struggle. So My biggest advice with that would be to just be mindful of your eating. So this one's a little bit more tricky, but usually overeating happens when we're distracted, when our mind is elsewhere. You know, we could be watching TV, maybe we're sitting at our desk or we're watching a movie or maybe we're even out with friends. Mindful eating is something that I think is really beneficial when it comes to overeating. So really thinking about each bite of food, what you're physically putting into your body, connect your five senses to it too, you know. What does this bite smell like? What does it taste like? How does it feel? Is it crunchy? Is it soft? Really root yourself in the present moment. This is something that helps tremendously with overeating. And I know that it might be easier said than done for some of you, but just pay attention the next time you're, maybe you love snacking when you watch a movie. That in itself isn't inherently bad, but you just have to be smart about it. So yes, you can have a snack, but just be aware of the portion size And definitely, definitely be mindful of the experience of eating it. And that's going to help you really maintain a sense of control and sort of counteract that overeating trap that we fall into. Other tip for that is, you know, the batch cooking, the meal prepping is a great way to counteract the overeating. And at the end of the day, 
you have total control of the food that you're bringing into your house, at least for yourself. So you can control what you're eating by what you're bringing into the house. So maybe that means that for one week, you don't bring in the bag of pretzels, you don't buy the the cookies, and that in and of itself will prevent you from overeating because it's not even there. So the temptation is gone because it's completely out of the equation. So I hope that helps you out. If you see me looking down, guys, I, I am looking at the questions on my phone, which brings me to my next point. If you are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, come on over to YouTube. You're going to get the full visual experience here. So you're going to be able to see everything as you're hearing it. So youtube.com slash Haley Noel if you want to watch along with me because I always uh, film all these episodes. All right. Another one here. uh, Managing my snacks within a big family. Okay, this one is tricky, too, because this sort of is a little bit different from the last one. This is not just yourself, but you have the temptation of the snacks that your family members are engaging in around you. So there's a few ways that you could counteract this. So one piece of advice that I would give is to buy the pre-portioned snacks. I know they're a little bit more expensive, but again, you can sort of portion out the snacks and understand how much is going in at a time. So when you see that one bag of, I don't know, Cheez-Its or something, just using that as an example. You see the one little mini bag of Cheez-Its, that's a fair serving as opposed to just pulling the box out of the cupboard and eating half a bag of it. So I would say another piece of advice for that, you know, like I said, those those pre-portioned uh, sizes and also just be mindful too of the kinds of snacks that you're wearing, If especially if you want your family to be healthy as well. Maybe don't buy the chips quite as often or try to find a healthier alternative that everybody in the family agrees on that they enjoy. So really do your research. Look at the labels of the food. If you guys want me to do an episode on food labels and how to find things that are actually healthy for you, drop me a comment. Let me know down below because sometimes labels can be really deceiving. Uh, The first example that comes to mind for me is those veggie sticks, like veggie straws. They're really not that much different in terms of their macronutrient distribution distribution um, from, you know, regular potato chips. But that's a lot of false advertising that happens within healthy snacks in particular. So just really do your research with that. Understand what you're putting into your body. And yeah, try to find a healthier alternative that everybody in the family can agree on. That would be a really good uh, piece of advice that I would give there. All right, let's see. So Michaela says, how much of each aspect I should be eating? So I think she's referring here to macronutrients. So if you're not familiar, your macronutrients are your carbs, your fat, and your proteins. So everybody and everybody is different. So there's not one person that we can say as a token example, like what I need specifically, right, is not going to be the same as what you need or what someone else needs. So it's really important to find your particular need for each macro. Um, I think that I want to say protein is usually around 10 to 35 percent Uh, carbs are 45 to 65% and then fats are whatever the rest of that is. I'm really bad at math. So the number is escaping me now, but those are the general guidelines for your macronutrient, uh, distribution. Now these can change depending on your activity level. So let's say you're an endurance athlete and you're doing a load of cardio, like a bunch of cardio every single day, you're probably going to need more carbs than the average person. Or if you're someone that's strength training, if you're looking to bulk up, you're looking to build muscle, you want to be 
taking in more protein. So the best way to kind of find this, honestly, my advice would be to work with someone who can guide you through this process, somebody who can help you figure out what your distribution range should be. Um, so I would definitely advise going to a nutrition coach or a dietitian or any of the above to really find out catered to you what you should be consuming. But you can use those general guidelines as a rule of thumb as to what you should be consuming in your diet. Now, when it comes to where those uh, macronutrients are coming from, that is an entirely other you know battle because you know let's take French fries for example, they're carbs and so is brown rice, but French fries are not equivalent to brown rice. So you really got to think about within those uh, macronutrients what you need. So, and the same thing goes honestly, guys, with your calorie intake as well. So. That's going to completely change depending on your age and your sex and your activity level. There's so many different variables. So again, if you see any kind of diet on the internet that's telling you you need to eat this specific amount of calories a day of this, 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 and this, and there's no personalized information attached to it, it's probably not going to be the best route to go. Again, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Nutrition is something that's highly personalized and highly particular to the individual. So just keep that in mind. All right, something that uh, I got a couple times here was sweet tooth. So eating sweets. Again, this one is really popular. This is something that I still uh, struggle with a little bit. I love my sweets at night, and there's nothing inherently wrong with having a little something that's sweet. But again, we just want to be mindful of what we're having. So think about maybe a healthy alternative to, to a sweet that you like. So maybe... Let's, I'll use myself as an example. So I used to love having ice cream at night and I still do sometimes. Not going to lie. I love ice cream at night, but obviously it's not healthy to do that every night, right? There's a lot of sugar in there. There's a lot of fat. It's really just not the best thing for us nutritionally. So what I'll do some nights of the week instead is I'll swap that out for fruit. Something that I love doing is putting like grapes in the freezer or blueberries in the freezer and they're still cold and, you know, they're still yummy, but it's a healthier alternative to the sweets. So there's a couple things you can do with that. A mindful switch of something that's a little bit healthier and also, again, watching that portion size, right? Remember that weight loss is when we are in a caloric deficit. So we don't want to take that too far, but if we can scale back on the added calories that we have from sugary drinks, say, or, you know, that dessert at night, then that's huge. Another piece of advice, if you're somebody that's like a big soda drinker or somebody that loves to drink sweet juices, teas, et cetera, throughout the day, start small. Start by just cutting back from one a day and you will notice a difference. And then what happens is those small little changes over time are going to compound over themselves and they're going to lead to a bigger change. Remember, it takes time really to make that sustainable change that we want. So biggest tip there, again, really just be mindful of the portion sizes and try to scale back slowly but surely. Don't go cold turkey. I would not recommend doing that because sweets are awesome. Like they're addicting. I understand that. So, you know, just slowly wean yourself off and really try to make an effort to transition to some healthier sources If you can, you know, just take a look around. All right. Daniel says, this is our last one. Good shit's expensive. I've heard this one many times and I will agree with you. There are a lot of things in the health food realm that are more expensive, right? Organic produce, 
organic anything is inherently going to be more expensive than your non-organic option or in my case, I'm gluten-free, so gluten-free food is always a lot more expensive than regular food is. But I think that this comes down to just smart planning and being really strategic about what you're doing when you're going to the store and what you're getting. So there's plenty of healthy foods out there that are really, really cheap to get. You know, you can stock up on eggs, for example. Eggs are so cheap. They're a great source of protein. Rice is relatively cheap. I'm trying to think of what else. There's tons of produce. Check at your supermarket too. See what's on sale. See if you can find some coupons, clip out some things. You don't have to be eating on like a million dollar budget, right, to be healthy. I think that's a huge misconception. It depends though. I mean, there are, you know, this is a little bit of a tangent, but food deserts exist. That's a whole other topic in itself where it is harder for people in lower income areas to access healthier food. But if you're not in that situation, then just be really smart about uh, what you're buying and where you're going. You know, just got to have a plan. I think if you go into the store and you have a list, you have a plan, you have a budget, you stick to the budget and you have something to work with, right? You have that framework that you know that you can work within. You pick one protein source, you pick your fats for the week, you pick your fruits and your veggies and you sort of just do it that way. And you'd be really surprised that things are actually a little bit more doable than you might um, imagine. And I think that that's a limiting belief for a lot of people is that eating healthy has to be expensive, right? It has to be this daunting, scary, crazy process. But that is just not the truth. So I hope you guys enjoyed this little segment. I'm going to go ahead and move into the topic for today, which is overtraining and undereating. I always like mix that up in my head. But again, if you're interested, you know what to do. Go ahead and stay tuned. Hit that subscribe button, please, as well over on YouTube. We're going to go ahead and get into it. All right. So overtraining, undereating. I really wanted to talk about these two things. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately and just how important it is. And I was talking to a friend about it a few weeks ago, specifically under eating. And if you've been in this position before, I I would be curious to hear from you what your experience was, because I have definitely been in the position of under eating before, especially when I was in high school. I, I think I've spoken about it many times on the podcast, but I essentially followed a lot of crash diets uh, I think it was it was called the three day diet slash the military diet. I was doing that for a while and I was doing insanity while I was doing that. So if you know, insanity is a super intense workout and I was eating only like 800 calories a day. But what happened is I would then binge at night because I was so hungry. And I remember just eating like a loaf of bread with so much butter um, because I was so hungry and I had like depleted my body so much. So I do kind of understand what that feels like. I would not recommend crash diets. Please do not, for the love of God, do them. You're going to wreck your metabolism. I'll go into that um, in another episode if you want. I actually did an episode on that. I think last year, I think it was like one of my first episodes. So I'm going to leave a link to that below because crash diets will mess you up for a very long time. I'm telling you, please don't do them. So I found some resources here. So we're going to go ahead and get into overtraining first. So, all right, I'm going to just sort of uh, share with you what I'm seeing here and what I'm finding. 
So too much training is classified into two types. There's overreaching and overtraining. So let's see. Overtraining occurs when an athlete ignores the signs of overreaching and continues to train. Um, And many athletes believe that weakness or poor performance signals them to need to train even harder. So they continue to push themselves when really the inverse is true. So I'm basically going to tell you guys what the signs are, symptoms rather, of overtraining. So these are training related. So unusual muscle soreness after workout, which persists with continued training. Um, The inability to train or compete at a previously manageable level. Yep. Heavy leg muscles, even at light exercise intensity. So just that feeling of heaviness in your legs all the time. A delay in recovery from your training. Performance plateaus or even declines. This one is huge. I really want to dive into this. And thoughts about quitting or skipping training sessions. So I personally want to talk about the performance plateaus and the declines because this is huge. This is something that I've seen people deal with before. This is something that I have also dealt with myself. So when you're overtraining, think about it think about it as a car. So your car runs on gasoline, which is the fuel, and then you have the engine oil. So basically when you're overtraining, when you're eating, right, let's say that the the food is the fuel. So the food is the gas, right? You're eating plenty. That's fine. But when you're overtraining, you're not giving the engine time to rest. So that engine oil source is depleting. Also, forgive this analogy if this is not how cars work in terms of engine oil, but I'm just trying to kind of make this make sense. So basically, our rest time, our rest periods, sleep is so paramount with our workout success. That is literally when the body is regenerating. That is when we are in the restorative phase. And it is so, so important that we take that time to rest because if we don't take that time to rest, we're essentially going to be running that car with no engine fuel or no engine oil rather. Think about that. So what happens is when we're overtraining, we're working out, you know, seven days a week, super intensely for each day. We are not giving our body the adequate time that it needs to rest and to recharge and to really process the workout that we've been through. I mean, think about it, even with strength training, the muscle is literally having micro tears and then the muscle repairs itself. So when you're just constantly training like that, you're really not taking that time to fully rest, to relax, to stretch, whatever it might be. Your body is not going to be able to really keep up with that or even benefit from all the fruits of your labor in the full capacity that it could have if you had just taken the time to rest. So something that I've seen a lot of people have happen is, you know, I used to teach group fitness classes at uh, Orange Theory, if you guys are familiar. And a lot of times people would complain, you know, they would say, I'm in here seven days a week. I'm in here every day, sometimes taking two classes and I'm not seeing the results that I want to see. And that is such a huge sign of overtraining. If you are working out that intensely seven days a week, you're not going to be able to see the full results that you would. Cut that down. Make sure you're factoring in your rest days. It doesn't mean you have to be a sloth in your bed. It means you take the time that you need to recover, proper sleep, proper nutrition. That's what's going to prevent you from having a plateau. It's the inverse of what we've been led to believe. We don't need to be pushing it super hard every single day to try to get to our fitness goals. So again, it is super important that we take that time to rest and to recover if we really want to see the full benefits of the fruits of our labor. So super huge warning sign there is if you're seeing a total performance plateau. 
If you're seeing a weight loss plateau or a muscle gain plateau, whatever it is that your goal is, if you're not seeing any progress, you're in a place of stagnation and you're working out super hard, that's probably a sign that you should be taking it a step back and maybe reevaluating your plan, your program, your training a little bit more. Because nothing changes if nothing changes. So if we figure out maybe that we're giving a little bit too much, then maybe that's the thing that we actually need to get further along to our goal. So these are just some other things that happen with overtraining. These are not necessarily specifically training related, but they kind of coincide. So inability to relax and poor quality sleep. Not having good quality sleep is another thing that's really huge with this. So not really being able to fully sleep at night. Um, General fatigue, increase in tension and depression, anger and confusion, decreased motivation, moodiness, increased occurrence of sickness, increased blood pressure, irregular menstrual cycle. Okay, this one is also huge. And I know a few people in my life who have experienced completely losing their periods from overtraining. So that is not a healthy place to be in. I just want to tell you right now, as a woman, as someone that has periods, if you are losing your periods from the activity level that you are partaking in, that's probably a warning sign. That is a natural function of the body. That is something that happens when the systems are in order, when we are healthy, right? When we are in sync. And if that all of a sudden stops that's probably a warning sign that something isn't quite right. Your workout routine should not make you completely lose your period. That is a huge red flag, literally. Um, And it also, you know, it it really shouldn't um, be affecting your menstrual cycle in such a dire way. So those are some huge signs of overtraining. I just wanted to dive into those. Um, So things you can do if you're noticing, if you're noticing uh, overtraining. Basically, you should really just kind of take a step back and evaluate. That would be my advice. So if you're listening to this right now and you feel like this might be where you're at and you're really relating to a lot of what's on this list here, it's probably a good idea to take a little bit of a step back from the training and figure out what is going on. So really making sure you're factoring in that time for rest days, you're factoring in recovery time for stretching, and you're also really examining your nutrition as well because your nutrition is going to be a huge part of this. If you're in too much of a caloric deficit, which I'm going to be going into next, this is probably a uh, result of the caloric deficit, the extreme state of restriction because your body's not really going to be able to keep up with what you're doing. So once you've sort of looked at that, um, I would start to slowly and gradually ease myself back into a routine. So once you figure out, okay, I'm going to do strength training this day, then I'm going to do my cardio this day, rest day this day, like you map out that plan, you map out the nutrition, you find out what your body actually needs calorically to function. Remember that we literally burn calories when we're sleeping. We are constantly burning calories. So think about that the next time you try to to follow like a crazy, you know, uh, super low calorie diet, like we're always burning calories. So just think about that. And, you know, think about having those rest days, having that rest time, giving yourself enough time to sleep at night. And I guarantee you that if you were somebody that was in that position of overtraining before and you implement those changes, you will absolutely break out of that plateau and you will start to recover. You will start to get back into a rhythm. So next thing here, we are going to talk about under eating. So there's a lot of different causes of under eating. So some of those could be stress, they could be trauma, um, 
whatever it might be, there's a bunch of different signs, uh, you know, a busy schedule, you're working out like crazy, you follow a fad diet. There's so many different things that can lead to undereating. And undereating has a lot of negative effects on the body. So even just apart from our physicality, I think mentally it's also very uh, taxing. So I'm going to go ahead and show you some of these. So the first sign here um, that you are not eating enough. So low energy levels and constantly feeling tired or exhausted. I think that that's pretty self-explanatory. Obviously, you're not having enough calories come into the body. Calories are energy and therefore that's going to make you feel tired. Um, You're constantly hungry, poor mental concentration, dizziness, the loss of the period or normal menstrual function, as I said earlier, inability to get pregnant. Again, that really coincides with that menstrual cycle. Remember that our systems are meant to be doing that, right? So if we're in that severe calorie restriction, things aren't going to be functioning at their optimal capacity. Constantly thirsty, that's another sign. Constantly feeling cold is also a huge sign of that. Hair loss and brittle nails and pale complexion. So these are all signs that you are under eating. The constantly feeling cold is one that I used to get all of the time. And I never really knew that that had to do with under eating. But I, once I started researching this stuff and learning about it more, I understood that connection there. So again, your body is a system. So think about... If you really intuitively listen to your body, it's always giving you signs and it's always cueing you into how things are going for you. So when things are functioning at their optimal capacity, when they're in harmony, when they're in unity, you're feeling good, you're feeling optimized and vibrant and healthy. When something goes awry, when we're really not fueling ourselves in the proper way that we should be, then our body is going to alert us to that. So for women, that usually, like I said, manifests in the loss of the period cycle or the inability to get pregnant, feeling cold all the time, constantly hungry, the mood will change as well. These are all telltale signs that your body is warning you that something isn't right. And that is a warning that should always be heeded. We should always be listening to those telltale signs. And um, think about too how you feel with what you're eating. I think this is huge too when it comes to mindful eating. How do you feel after you're consuming something? When you eat something healthy, does it make you feel energized and vibrant and ready to go? Or even in my case now, if I eat fast food or something like that, I feel so sluggish and gross afterwards. The first thing that I want to do is just take a nap and just like pass out. Like think about how your body feels after what you're eating too. It's super, super important. If you're constantly feeling hangry, girl, it's time to eat. Plain and simple, it's time to eat. You got to watch for that. You know, listen to your body. Think about how you're feeling. So if you feel like this relates to you at all, if you really feel like you're, you know, kind of seeing these manifestations in your body, I would definitely suggest, you know, talking to a healthcare professional to make sure that you're you're okay, um, that you're really not in too severe of a place of restriction And absolutely talk to a nutrition coach, a nutritionist, somebody like that to really help you um, get your diet back up to where it needs to be to make sure you're not deficient in any essential vitamins and minerals, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're an athlete too and and you feel like this resonates with you, make sure again that you're really taking a step back and looking at that training plan, looking back at all of it as a whole picture. So remember, these things are 
so interconnected and I don't think that they're spoken about enough because everybody's always so focused on the training and the nutritional part of it of of the restriction especially in this crazy diet culture that we're in right now it's just like restriction 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 and that's not the way that we should be looking at food we should be looking at food as an abundant source of life giving energy because that is what it is food nourishes us it gives us life it's something that should be appreciated something that should be enjoyed and the same thing with movement movement should be enjoyed too you know that's that's a celebration of what we're able to do with our bodies and if we're in an extreme place with one or the other then um, we're really just going to be holding ourselves back so Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in today. I certainly hope that you enjoyed this episode. And as always, go ahead and subscribe on YouTube and stay tuned for the next episode. You can follow me on Instagram as well if you want to be a part of the conversation. But yes, my friends, thank you so much. I'm wishing you all so much health, wealth, success, happiness, abundance, peace, love, and joy. And I will see you next time. Bye.